This is the Canadian Taxpayers Federation podcast, where we're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government. I'm Chris Sims. I'm the Alberta Director for the CTF. I'm holding down the fort here in Lethbridge, Alberta. My good friend, Carson Binda, he's our BC Director for the CTF. He's out there in Vancouver. Carson, I don't know if you're renting a basement tent or whatever, but your backdrop is looking really nice and sunny there. Um, You did a really deep dive into the second carbon tax. So Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's second carbon tax, it's going to hit it, hit us this summer. Within the next seven years, it's going to be costing Alberta families over here in this province more than 1100 bucks a year. But before we dive into all of the details about the second carbon tax, I think we need to back up for a second, Carson. Can you please explain to our listeners and viewers what is the second carbon tax and how is it different from the first one? Yeah, thanks so much for having me on today, Chris. So the second carbon tax is a tax scheme by the Trudeau government that's gonna kick in in July this year. But it's a little bit different from the first carbon tax, and I think we need to talk a little bit about those differences. So the second carbon tax is going to require energy producers to lower the carbon intensity of their fuels, the gasoline and diesel that Canadians use to fill up their cars to drive to work and school every day. Now, if they can't meet those requirements, if they can't lower the carbon intensity of the fuels, they're going to have to pay the second carbon tax. They're going to have to give money to the government. And those companies, they're going to end up passing that cost down to consumers, to normal Canadians uh, who are filling up their vehicles. Now, Chris, it's also important to note that this second carbon tax, it's not replacing the first carbon tax. It's being layered on top of the first carbon tax. And unlike the first carbon tax, where families get a little bit of money back in the form of rebates, there are absolutely no rebates at all for the second carbon tax. That means families in Alberta, like you said, are gonna be paying around $1,000 a year for this, and they're not going to see a single dime coming back to them or their families. Yeah, it's pretty brutal when you take a look at the numbers. Uh, I know I've gone over this over the past few years uh, with Dan McTagg. Uh, He's a really good guy on things like uh, petroleum pricing, how it costs people money. He's with Canadians for Affordable Energy. And if you wanted to look up the formula, folks, you can Google it. (laughs) Uh, But it's really complicated. It involves international purchasing of credits, all this stuff. What it boils down to is this is that it's going to cost you more to fill up with either gasoline or diesel. Now, I'm from British Columbia, not too far from where you're sitting right now, Carson, and BC has had a second carbon tax for years. And spoiler alert, folks, it's one of the reasons why gasoline hovers around $2 a litre in downtown Vancouver. So the second carbon tax there is a big deal. But Carson, you took a close look at this from the Parliamentary Budget Office, from this report. Federally speaking, okay, across the country, once Trudeau Im- imposes this across the country, federally, how much is this second carbon tax going to cost people? Yeah, by the time it's fully implemented in 2030, this carbon tax is going to cost families about 17 cents per liter of gasoline. Um, that means your average minivan fill up, if mom's filling up the minivan on the way to soccer practice after school, that's going to cost about $13 more every single time you fill up the minivan. Cool. Now, the cost of diesel is also going up. 
But it depends a little bit where you are in the country, how much more you're going to be paying in this carbon tax. So the prairies, like with a lot of things this government is doing, are going to be hit the hardest by the second carbon tax. Families in Saskatchewan, where I'm from originally, they're going to be paying about $1,120 more per year on gasoline because of this carbon tax. Chris, in your neck of the woods, over in Lethbridge, across Alberta, families are going to be paying about $1,160. That's the highest price of the second carbon tax in the country. Here in BC, on the far west coast, it's going to cost families about $400. Now, folks, you might be wondering why it's so much less in BC compared to the rest of the country. And Chris, like you already mentioned, that's because we have been doing this for years. We are already paying the second carbon tax provincially, so our, uh, our big fuel producers are already paying into it. And it's a huge reason why gas taxes in British Columbia, in the Lower Mainland, in Vancouver, where I'm sitting right now, are about 78 cents a litre because yeah. of things like the second carbon tax. Yeah, you nailed it there. And folks who haven't driven through BC and through Vancouver in particular in a while, like, just wait. Wait until you go visit this summer. Your eyes will pop out of your head when you look at the price of gasoline. It's a wonder anybody's able to make it out there. And what I found really interesting about this report, you and I were talking about this offline, is that the PBO does an even deeper dive into how the second carbon tax will affect different kinds of families. And so what that means is rich families, middle-income families, poorer families. So Carson, you took a look at this for us. Let the listeners and viewers know, how will Trudeau's second carbon tax potentially affect Canadian families differently? Yeah, well, the second carbon tax is going to make the poorest families in Canada even poorer. And they're the ones who are going to be impacted the most by the second carbon tax. Now, the parliamentary budget officer, he makes it crystal clear. I'm going to quote him right now. He says that the second carbon tax is, and I quote, regressive for households because, again, this is a quote, lower income households generally spend a larger share of their income on transportation and other energy intensive goods and services compared to higher income households. Now that's a little bit of jargon. So let's talk about what that really means, Chris. Yeah. What that means is that families who are just scraping by, the poorest families in Canada, a bigger part of their paycheck goes towards paying for transportation. When you make less money and still have to do commuting, still have to drive your kids to school and extracurriculars, a bigger portion of your paycheck goes towards that if you make less money. Yeah. Now, richer families, they, they can drive the same amount, but it's a smaller portion of their paycheck going towards paying for energy. So this is something that's deeply wrong about the second carbon tax. It's deeply, deeply wrong to be pushing taxes that hurt the people who can least afford it the most. And look, we already see that with the first carbon tax. Yeah. Here in BC, the government went so far as to admit it in their budget and fiscal plan this year. BC's most recent budget says that single, uh, fam single mother families and folks living in rural communities are already being hit hardest by the first carbon tax. So this is really just adding another layer of injury to families who are already being punished so harshly by that first carbon tax. 
And you nailed it there, Carson. Well said. And I think this is something important for listeners and viewers and tax fighters across Canada to remember. The next time some politician in power opens their mouth to talk about affordability and sticking up for the little guy, think about the carbon tax. I remember when a gentleman named John Horgan was in the opposition benches in British Columbia, in Victoria, and he used to rail against the imposition of a British Columbia carbon tax. Back then, I think it was about five cents a liter. And he said that people wouldn't be able to afford to drive to work and that it would cost them too much to heat their homes when the wild West Coast winds were blowing. So it's really important to hold politicians accountable when they talk out of one side of their mouths about affordability and then on the other, turn around and jack up carbon taxes on your essentials like grocery, transportation, and home heating. Now, another element of this PPO report was really important, and that's when they took a look at uh, living rurally or in a small town. So keep in mind, folks, uh, if you live kind of on the outskirts or if you live in a more remote area, especially if you're living up north, I happen to speak with folks up in Prince George and in your province quite often there, Carson, and everything up there is trucked up there or brought up on a train. Like diesel runs Prince George. They wouldn't have supplies otherwise. Guess what? The second carbon tax and the first apply to diesel. So that makes everything more expensive. So it winds up costing people in those areas even more money. Now, you brought up an element while we were talking off air that the, I was surprised, actually, to see the PBO touch on this. Can you talk about what they mentioned about the environment, about the impact of the second carbon tax on the environment? Yeah, and I think this is one of the most important takeaways from the Parliamentary Budget Officer's report on the second carbon tax. Hmm. The Parliamentary Budget Officer, and I'm going to quote him again here. Sorry, folks. I know no, it's important, you know, right. straight up. People don't have time to read this stuff. So it's really important for us to dive into it and like read it to them. So I think it's great you took a close read. Go for it. Well, this is right from the Parliamentary Budget Officer's mouth. Canada's own emissions are not materially big enough to impact climate change. What that means is that even if you waved a magic wand and Canada didn't exist tomorrow, it wouldn't make a difference as far as climate change goes. We are not big emitters here in Canada. We emit about 1% of the global carbon dioxide uh, that's in our atmosphere. The big polluters, countries like China and India, they need to get their acts together if we're gonna do something about climate change. Punishing Canadians for driving to work and school isn't going to fix the environment. And look, I, I care deeply about climate change and the environment. I live here on the beautiful and wild West Coast. Every day I wake up and see the mountains and the forests and the sea that makes British Columbia beautiful. If this was going to help the environment, that would be one thing. But the parliamentary budget officer makes it crystal clear that this uh, tax plan isn't going to do anything for the environment. And at the same time, the PBO says that it's going to shrink Canada's economy by about $9 billion. So this tax, it's a lose-lose on every level. It's a ton of pocketbook pain for those families who are going to be out more than $1,000 a year. And at the same time, it's not doing anything to meaningfully help the environment. And look, it's important for folks to remember that this second carbon tax is going to make gasoline and diesel cost even more. 
It's going to be imposed this summer and within 17 years, sorry, pardon me, within the next seven years, it's going to cost 17 cents more per liter of gasoline and even more per liter of diesel. Unlike the first carbon tax, where families at least get some rebates back, and these rebates aren't perfect for the first carbon tax, families get nothing back from the second carbon tax. So this is all take-take without any environmental gain, and it's going to do real damage to our economy. But at least there's one silver lining, and that's that it doesn't apply to home heating fuels yet. Yet. Let's not give the Trudeau government ideas. All right, Carson, thank you so much for taking a deep dive into the second carbon tax for us on this. Folks, uh, if you don't want to be paying through the nose and punished repeatedly over and over again for driving to work, heating your home, and buying food, you know, the essentials of life, with no help for the environment, uh, I'm encouraging you to pick up your smartphone or fire up your laptop. Find the email of your member of parliament Tell them that this is a huge voting issue for you. Tell them that you want to see both the first and the second federal carbon taxes scrapped here in Canada. Uh, if you need any help on writing your letter or if you want to read some of our articles, there's tons of them on the carbon taxes and how much they cost you. Head on over to our website, taxpayer.com. Lots there to help you. The Trudeau government recently agreed to the most expensive corporate welfare deal in Canadian history. And we actually have some more details about it. Uh, Carson, tell us more about it. Yeah, so right off the bat, Chris, the numbers we are looking at in this case of corporate welfare are crazy. They blew my socks right off. Volkswagen, the German car manufacturer, is getting about $4.3 million per job they're creating in this new plant in Ontario. Just to give you and our viewers here an idea of how much real money that is, um, the total of $13 billion could build 15 brand new hospitals anywhere in Canada or cover the entire personal income tax bill of about 67,000 Canadians making 75 grand a year. So these are just absolutely huge numbers. And if you look at the annual figure, it's still, still gigantic. The amount of money that taxpayers are giving to Volkswagen each year of the next decade is worth more than the entire budget of New Brunswick. So we're giving more money to a German car manufacturer than an entire province is spending every single year. We're taking an average of $1.3 billion per year. The project's proponents say that $1.3 billion per year is going to create 3,000 jobs which means taxpayers, if you divide it out there, are going to be on the hook for $4.3 million for every single job created. Look, if we just wanted to give money out, we could have given 3,000 people a million dollars each and still saved billions. Oh. That's how bad this deal is for Canadian taxpayers. Oh my gosh. Like, I think I'm glad you broke it all down like that with those numbers because the numbers themselves are 
really unbelievable when it comes to this deal for corporate welfare. Now, uh, sorry to be a bearer of bad news, but these things have a bad habit of setting a precedent, right? Like this might not be the last we see of a multi-billion dollar corporate welfare deal. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's like feeding raccoons. Yeah. <laughs> if you feed one raccoon, the, all the raccoons from the neighborhood are going to show up at your door asking for more handouts. That's exactly what the Trudeau government's doing by offering these fat, fat subsidies. All the other corporations want a slice of the same cake that Volkswagen is feasting on. We've already seen that with Stellantis. Stellantis is another one of these really big international automotive companies. Uh, they own the Chrysler brand, Maserati, Fiat, all these big name cars. Well, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Ontario Premier Doug Ford, they're two peas in a pod on this. Mm -hmm. They've already announced a billion dollars for Stellantis. The London Free Press said the company is set to pull the plug on electric vehicle plant unless it gets this money from taxpayers. So, you know, I hope our viewers see what's happening here. The Fed's announced $13 billion for Volkswagen. Uh, now Stellantis is ramping up the pressure to take your tax dollars too. And look, if Stellantis succeeds at this, just like Volkswagen did, you know, I think there's a pretty good bet that other companies are going to be lining up at the trough to get their share of corporate welfare from tapped out Canadian taxpayers too. Yeah, it's a bad move because it's just ringing a dinner bell and they're all going to come running. Now, is there any political, I know we oppose it, we oppose corporate welfare. We have forever. Or is there any political opposition to this? Yeah. No, there's slim to none, unfortunately, Chris. So taxpayers, we need to pick up the pressure and pull that slack that the politicians have dropped. So the Conservatives have asked that the parliamentary budget officer look at the Volkswagen deal. But that's not substantial. And they haven't said much other than that. Here's what Pierre Polyev told us, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, when he was running for leader. Let's talk about the economy. There's, yeah. uh, there's a good way to grow the economy. There's a bad way to grow the economy. The bad way is corporate welfare, bureaucrats picking winners and losers. The CTF has identified about $18 billion of corporate welfare announcements since 2017. Would you outlaw corporate welfare? I will uh, cut corporate welfare and use the money to lower taxes for small businesses. Here, folks, he said that he would cut corporate welfare and use the money to lower taxes for small businesses if he's elected prime minister. Well, if that's the case, if that's what Pierre really believes, mm -hmm. then he needs to speak out against potentially the largest corporate welfare deal that Canadians have ever seen. This is the biggest corporate welfare in our history. Jagmeet Singh, he says that corporate greed is out of our control. Now, if Singh really opposes corporate greed, he needs to oppose corporate greed that gives big multinational companies billions of dollars from taxpayers who can't afford to heat their homes or drive to school. Um, he needs to oppose corporate welfare for Volkswagen, and he needs to oppose this new corporate welfare for Stellantis, if he yeah. actually cares about the little guy. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and this is it, folks. Keep in mind, this is not magic money that comes from the government, that you know they're helping whatever industry they may like to help. This is your money. 
this is taxpayers' money. And if you're having trouble listening to this, making ends meet because of carbon taxes, inflation, deficit spending, et cetera, keep this in mind next time you see a big fat paycheck being handed to a big fat corporation. Now, unfortunately, this is not the only example or the first example of corporate welfare when it comes to these big handouts to these corporations. The Trudeau government, as of late, has been partnering with the Ford government in Ontario on a lot of big corporate handouts uh, to car companies that are looking to build electric car battery plants. Give us some more details on those handouts. Yeah, absolutely. So way back in 2020, we need to rewind a little bit here. Yeah. Ford and Trudeau governments, they teamed up once uh, once again and gave Ford Motor Company about $6 million to help Ford shift to building electric vehicles in their Oakville plant in Ontario. Last year, the two governments got together again to give Stellantis another billion dollars. Now, roughly half that came from the government of Ontario and half that from Ottawa. Again, this money went towards electric vehicle production upgrades for plants in Windsor, Ontario and Brampton, Ontario. But look, Chris, both Stellantis and Ford, they're Fortune 500 companies that don't need taxpayer help. Ford's gross profit last year in 2022 was more than $23 billion. Stellantis was almost $18 billion. So instead of giving these massively profitable companies, because these are massively Mm -hmm. profitable companies, uh, handouts, we should be worrying about lowering the burden for taxpayers who we've heard from all across this country can't afford to be paying these increased tax bills that their provincial and federal governments are hitting them with. Man, this is just, this piles up, folks. When we hand out this kind of money to corporations, uh, these multi-billion dollar corporations with multi-billion dollar deals, it all adds up. Now, uh, Franco Terrazano, our federal director, uh, did a huge pre-budget submission. What that means in normal people talk is that he wrote a massive report and gave it to the federal government before they delivered their budget. And he detailed uh, some situations where they were handing out corporate welfare that was outside of the electric uh, car battery industry. Can you go through some of those? Yeah. Uh, So it turns out government enjoys subsidizing just about every sector with Mm. taxpayer handouts. So just at the federal level, this doesn't include all the provinces. We identified 38.3 billion, with a B, dollars of corporate welfare since 2017. Money went to airlines, it went to car companies, it went to the energy sector, it went to aerospace company and everywhere. I mean, Trudeau was handing out corporate welfare like it was candy on Halloween. Um, You know, let's just look at the airlines here, because that's a great example of how these things can stack up over time. Uh, The feds gave Air Canada, Air Transit and Porter Airlines a combined $6.2 billion in 2021 alone. So three airlines, one year, $6.2 billion. The government also gives away a lot of corporate welfare in the form of tax credits. Mm. This year, Ottawa's handing out about $3 billion in corporate tax credits. So billions and billions and billions of dollars a year 
are going out the door to corporations. It's our money. It's taxpayer money. And it's being handed out to wealthy international corporations left, right, and center with no accountability from our politicians up in Ottawa. And unfortunately, uh, this isn't new. (laughs) This is handing out uh, billions of dollars in taxpayers' money and corporate welfare isn't new. Uh, We've seen this sort of play before. Yeah, no, you're right. Sadly, governments in Canada have been doing this for years. Back in March of this year, Fraser Institute, a big think tank, well-respected, they released a study showing that collectively the feds and all the other provincial governments, so this is all the governments in Canada, gave away $352 billion in corporate welfare payments between 2007 and 2019. So that's roughly three times uh, the debt of British Columbia that all levels of government have just been handing out to corporations. Wow. They could pay down the debt of British Columbia three times for the amount of money that they've handed out to these corporations. Wow. Now, the Fraser Institute worked out uh, how much money was given out per taxpayer, which is a really interesting angle I think Mm. we should about over this 13-year period between 2008 and 2019. And there's a big range depending on what province you're in. Over in Saskatchewan, that was the worst of the bunch. Taxpayers in Saskatchewan, every single taxpayer in that uh, 13-year period Mm -hmm. paid about $18,785 in corporate welfare. On the other end of the spectrum, New Brunswick, about $6,050 a year uh, in New Brunswick on corporate welfare. So the top three governments handing out cash to corporations were the feds, Quebec, and Ontario. No surprise there. No. Uh, not at all. Each of those governments handed out between $72 billion and $77 billion in that same 13-year period. And just to show you what that money could have done instead, the Fraser Institute calculated that Quebec and Manitoba could have both eliminated corporate taxes altogether if they just stopped doling out corporate welfare payments. Wow. See, folks, uh, there is a solution to this. And if uh, governments really want to, quote unquote, help corporations do business in their regional in their regions uh what they need to do is lower the corporate tax rate lower their business tax rates don't just hand out taxpayers money to these mega companies carson thank you so much for bringing all this uh, to our attention thanks so much chris I'm here with my friend and colleague, Nicholas Gagnon. Uh, Nicholas is holding down the fort for us as the Quebec director for the Taxpayers Federation. Now, Nicholas, uh, one of our favorite topics to talk about is, of course, wasteful spending here in Canada. And you don't get ritzier or more royal when it comes to wasteful spending than the governor general and Rito Hall. Uh, you and I were laughing about uh, the ridiculous airplane food bill. So around $100,000 that they actually racked up uh, on airplane food, including things like beef Wellington and beef Carpaccio, stuff we can't pronounce. Uh, and then also there was the uh, ridiculous costing that was going into renovating Rito Hall to make it look more like, you know, an astronaut control panel. The, you know, the list goes on, but there's a new one. Folks, sit down if you're not already sitting down. There's a new expense scandal happening at Rideau Hall, and it involves wardrobe, clothing. Nicholas, what is going on? 
Well, I think I speak for many taxpayers if I say that I'm not surprised, but definitely disappointed. Uh, at a time where so many Canadians are having a hard time paying their electricity bills, for their groceries, or even to buy something to wear, it is revolting to see that they are paying for the governor general's clothes. Uh, thanks to a report that was made public by the National Post, we know that since 2017, Julie Payette and her successor, Marie Simon, have expensed nearly 200 clothing items with price tags ranging from $3,000 for a black velvet dress with silk lining mm. purchased by Julie Payette in 2018 to $18.95 white gloves purchased by Marie Simon in 2022. And their expenses also include a $680 top, uh, $590 dress pants, $160 scarf, and a pair of boots worth $1,064. Oh my and, goodness. Okay. <laughs> oh, and that, that, that doesn't stop there. I mean, since 2021, Mary Simon's clothing expenses alone have cost taxpayers over $37,000. I don't know a single Canadian family that would spend so much for their clothes. Indeed, just to put it in perspective, an average Canadian family would spend $16,200 for their groceries in 2023. Double that amount, and you barely cover the Governor General's expenses for their clothes over the last year and a half. Man, that is an awful lot of money. Now, I got to weigh in here. Like, as a woman, okay, I get it. You cannot be pictured in the same, you know, gray blazer and white dress shirt that a dude can. Sorry, just going to say it. I get it. You are, you know, the Crown's representative here in Canada. You have to dress formally. But my goodness, like, no, you do not need to spend $600 on a pair of pants and more than $1,000 on a set of boots. Like, come on, ladies. So what are they saying when it comes to these expenses? Are they justifying them? Well, that is the most astounding. Actually, the governor general's office tries to justify its expenditures by implying that these clothes are necessary for her to perform her duties. Uh, so you would think that Mary Simon's $342,000 salary would buy her some decent clothes. Wait, 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 what'd you just say there? How much are they paid per year? Uh, well, for I mean, their salary is three hundred forty-two thousand dollars. So you would <laughs> okay. think you would think that this would buy her some decent clothes, but it doesn't seem to be enough. And, and here's the thing: uh, the prime minister and most of his cabinet have not expensed any clothing uh, to taxpayers since 2017, except for maybe two exceptions, like the former justice minister Jody Wilson-Raybould, who expensed lawyers' robes in 2017, and Minister of Sport Pascal Saint-Onge, who expensed steel-toed boots earlier this year. So just in other words, Mary Simon spent more on clothing over the last two years and a half than, uh, sorry, over the last two years than half of the parliament combined over the last six years. And it doesn't <laughs> stop there. Since 2021, the governor general can spend up to $130,000. So $130,000 in expenses for their five years mandate. This privilege has to go. The CTF has previously led the fight to force the governor general to proactively publish their expenses and reduce the cost of their meals on the plane. This time, we want nothing less but to put an end to this policy that allows governor general to bill taxpayers for their clothes. This is so much money and it, we got to stress. So uh, this is not somebody who's picking up part-time salaries here. This is $340,000 that this person is earning all their other expenses that you can imagine things like, you know, your power and your travel and all of that, that's all paid for. 
So for the regulars of us, <laughs> all those expenses we have every month in our households, that's covered. So this is a really outrageous expense to be having on top of this huge salary. And did I read that right? When you sent me that note, did the governor general actually get a pay hike too? Yeah, actually, I, I said $342,000. That was her salary before, but this has actually changed. You And, you know, everyone knows that the governor general work very hard and deserve a salary increase for their sweat and tears. <laughs> but... You know, as you know, I'm sarcastic, but sadly, the the real the, the news is still real. According to information that we obtained from the private consul office, the Governor General Mary Simon will take on this year three hundred fifty one thousand six hundred dollars in salary high uh, in salary overall. That's a pay bump of nine thousand five hundred dollars since 2022. It's also a pay bump of forty eight thousand eight hundred dollars higher than the Governor General's salary that uh, in 2019. So prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, this salary increase uh, is simply added altogether to the list, uh, the long list of all the other privileges available to the governor general, such as a luxury airplane meals, a taxpayer's paid wardrobe, and a pension of $150,000 per year until six months after life. Does the governor general really deserve or need this salary increase? Of course not. And is the parliament doing anything to cap the salary or the governor general privileges? Sadly not. But this is why the CTF is working hard to expose those ludicrous expenses and salary hike and mobilize taxpayers across the country to pressure federal politicians to cut the general, uh, the governor general's lavish privileges. And so far, we have done a lot of noise. Uh, have we ever been making a lot of noise? Uh, Nicholas, thanks for bringing our viewers and our listeners uh, up to speed on this. Folks, <laughs> if you're sitting there wondering how you're going to make month end if you're running a small business, if you're wondering how you're going to afford the carbon tax on your farm or your big rig diesel truck, or just how you're going to be able to afford groceries for your family, and you're frustrated about governors generals blowing this kind of money on fancy, fancy wardrobe, all while being paid more than $340,000 per year, go to our website, taxpayer.com, sign the petition against these lavish expenses at Rideau Hall, join the fight.